Gabrielle. We're so excited to chat with you today about all things Web3, content creation, DAOs, so many things. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to get down into it. Yes. So I shared your TikTok with my girlfriend and okay. she was TikTok stalking you and she told me to tell you that she loves your content and may or may not have a friend crush on you. Uh, so when you're back in Denver, we'll have to grab drinks sometime. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after this too, like send me her thing just so that I can follow her and stuff too. Yeah, for sure. I don't. She's not on TikTok, but I'll send you oh, her gotcha. Instagram, I guess. Cool. <laughs> Cool. So before we get into kind of what you're doing in Web3 and in the DAOs that you're in and that you started, give us some background on kind of who you are and what you've been up to pre-Web3. Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, I am the mere age of 25 years old, so just kind of figuring it out. I um, I started my, my life, I guess, in the technology industry. So I studied computer information systems at CSU in 2019. I started my corporate life at a very weird time, i.e. like end of 2019, early 2020. So just super weird. Um, so I love, I love that, you know, that part of my life and that chapter. And it's been really cool. And I actually still actually have a full-time job, which is also crazy, but it just doesn't get in the way, which is funny. But nice. yeah, so um, yeah, working in the tech industry. And then basically early 2021, people were talking about TikTok and stuff. And I was like, I guess I'll do it. I didn't really know what to do with it yet. And um, I just started talking about my career and then just started blowing up and people had so many questions and I was like, okay, there's something there. So most of 2021, I launched a career coaching business. So it was very like one-to-one and I would bring them through basically getting them to a job offer. So it's the typical person that I would work with is someone that's like non-traditional entering the tech space. So someone that, you know, has no idea of anything that's going on or someone who, you know, hey, I've been a teacher for 30 years. It's the middle of the pandemic. I want to change, stuff like that. So really my goal was to make it like very accessible. That has now blossomed into like this year where I have a little bit more of a broad content um, type of ideology now. So I do a lot of like work from home jokes, um, which I'm sure you guys have seen and like the corporate stuff. I also still try to break down the tech industry in an accessible way because that was like my main goal in the beginning. Um, so I have like a free community there that is not on the blockchain. That's a kind of like a web two like little notion space um, that's mm-hmm. always like iterating and evolving and stuff. So that's been pretty fun. Um, and then kind of like the beginning of 2020, I went down the rabbit hole of like Web3 and blockchain and all that stuff just because like I knew of the terms of like Ethereum and Bitcoin at that point, but didn't understand anything about it. And so that's really like catapulted my interest in that. And so um, I try to travel for events as much as possible. If anyone that's like interested and they feel like, well, they don't even need to know a lot. Like if you're just interested and there's an event going on near you or, you know, you want to travel to that place, I would absolutely um, recommend that just because there's so many Mm -hmm. cool people that you learn, that you get to meet and so many cool things that you get to learn. Um, And so that's really what I've been up to this year. Cool. Yeah. So when you back in to 2021, you said is when you first started posting content. Mm-hmm. What made you? Because I know a lot of like you know content creation is kind of like this idolized thing now. Um, what made you actually want to like sit down and say I'm going to post some content about careers? Yeah. So the actually the interesting thing too about everyone yes is on TikTok now, but I would say my niche is like very different and new. TikTok as a whole is still extremely new in like the social media marketing game as well. So that's like a whole other, the business aspect of stuff is kind of crazy, but kind of like when I got my talent manager this year, like I talked to her about it and she was like, you are in like a weird niche on a new platform, if that makes sense. So she's like, we just don't know Mm -hmm. how to like work with this niche yet. So I say that to say like when I was doing this in 2021, there wasn't, I mean, there was like corporate Natalie and like a lot of the like bigger people Mm -hmm. in the game but there wasn't a lot. So it was kind of like nerve wracking. Cause it was like, I'm talking about my job essentially like on a platform. And then like when I was getting like hundred K views, 500 K views, like a million, I was like, Oh, and then getting like, <laughs> getting like messages from like old coworkers or current coworkers being like, Hey, I saw you. And like, even my boss today follows me and we have like a really good relationship about it. But it was like weird in the beginning. Cause I was like, am I doing the right thing? I don't know. Um, so definitely like a, a lot of nerves came up, but I would say like what got me like figuring it out. It's kind of like what I said earlier, where it was like, once when I started talking about my job and like the little things that I knew at that time, like people had even more questions and there was like more engagement and more interest. So I was like, there's definitely 
something there. And that's, I've just been playing Mm. around a lot with it, obviously in the past year and a half or so. And it's like, the crazy thing about TikTok is like, this is the first time where I've like successfully grown a platform. I've tried to do it. The thing is with my age, like Instagram was popping when I was like 13. So like me trying to be a content creator was like me being weird and 13. (laughs) So, and then like YouTube was kind of a thing and I started doing like vlogs and then I was just kind of getting bored of that. So like TikTok is like the first time that like something has been somewhat successful for me. Um, and so that's always been kind of challenging because it's like, oh, where are you going to go next? And it's like, I just I'm still trying to figure it out the past year and a half, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you've always wanted to let, you've always been interested in creating content and this is kind of like the first one that, that clicked. For sure. And now you're at like 70,000 followers on TikTok, uh, in a, like a year mm-hmm. or two years, year and a half, two years. Yeah. I think almost like two years I've been like monetized uh, now I would say like a year and a half I've been like monetized quote unquote, like a brand the first time reaching out to me in the past like year. Got it. And yeah. And you said you have a manager, which is awesome. And you said that they, it's, you're kind of in like this weird niche. How would you describe your niche um, as a creator? Some, <laughs> uh, they call it tech talk. That's like the big term for it. So you'll see a lot of like hashtags like that. You'll see creators kind of like relate, like refer to this community as like tech talk. Um, okay. and then that's kind of going off of like all the weird, like nuances, like I'm about to post a, co- like a video on Slack and like, you guys are probably really familiar with Slack, but like, there's just some silly stuff about Slack and it's very like nuanced because it's like, it's just a weird tool that you're used to using at like a tech company or like a bigger corporate company. Um, so it's kind of that it's like, it's like the corporate humor and probably like tech career stuff. Um, and then obviously okay. I've been in the past year, like sprinkling in like blockchain stuff and tick the TikTok world is very different than the Twitter world. And they're very, I would say like not into, um, web three and they have a little bit more of like a pessimist, um, attitude. So that I would say never really goes as successful as I want, but we're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to change it too here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> change I, the narrative. I've, I've been really focused. <laughs> I've been really focused on YouTube shorts. I've seen a lot mm. of success there so far and we're still really new in terms of posting content. So, cool. you know, selfishly we're learning from you here, but I posted a few on TikTok, and like one of that, only one of the videos has gotten like more than a thousand views or something. Um, that's a start. It's, it's good. better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when did, so when did like blockchain and web three come in your radar? How did, uh, you know, what did you start looking into? What caught your interest there? Yeah. So I was incredibly burnt out at a previous job and me and my director at that time agreed that I was going to go on vacation for 10 days. Um, so we did that and I went to Maui and, um, I was in Maui with my, with my boyfriend and my childhood friends that live there. And he kept like showing me like the price jumps of things and like just showing me like crypto exchanges. I think he was on Coinbase and we just found crypto.com at that time. I think they just launched and I was like, there's something here, like I'm starting to finally understand it. And then when I learned like what a white white paper was, then I was like, oh, because like me coming from like more of a tech minded, more of like that educational background of college, I'm like, okay, now I feel more comfortable exploring this because I'm used to reading literature like this. Um, And so that's when it really like popped off for me. And then when I had like other friends who were also content creators in this space, we were friends prior, but they also like grew um, they started to get really into it too. And then I was like, wait, she looks like me and she's doing this. Like, there's definitely something there where like I could be a part of this. Um, and then when I really learned like what a smart contract is as a whole, then that's when like a lot of light bulbs starting to hit for me. Cause I think there's kind of like that, there's like stages of understanding with crypto as like we all know. And like, I think you start off first as like, it's a coin, right? And then you go into like, oh, it's like, this program that can tell you other things to do. And then you're like, oh, it's a freaking network and like a completely different, you know? So it's kind of like stages to it. That's, I would say, what started to happen during like 2020. So doing what you're doing right now in the content creation space, it sounds like it's mostly, you know, like Twitter, TikTok, uh, like more Web2 focused. Um, Mm -hmm. Where does Web3 have a place in content creation for you? Uh, And why haven't you focused like all your efforts towards that uh, because especially if you're like bullish on crypto and web three mm-hmm. where it, it, it might have that future. That's a really good question. So the short answer is that onboarding is tough. And like, we all know this when it comes to those types of like uh, when we're trying to onboard a community or a customer to a web three platform, it's challenging. Um, I'm really excited to see like what Starbucks does with their NFT rewards program. And hopefully we can talk about that one. Cause that one's gonna be cool. 
Um, so that's what's stopping me the most. And granted, like if you look at the average person that follows me, they may not be the most like tech savvy, but they're really interested in they're trying to understand and if that makes sense. So I feel like throwing more of like get a MetaMask and then like download Discord and then like come into this, like it just may add more hurdles. This is just a gut feeling though. It, it's something that I've definitely wanted to um, test out. And then kind of what I'm seeing at a greater scale on my roadmap is the great thing about the non-fungible token situation is that it will kind of solve this issue that we're seeing with like creator versus the platform. So the platform today is like mm-hmm. YouTube shorts, TikTok, right? And like, there's always been with this like creator economy, this influencer economy, this war of like, who actually owns what, right? Like who actually like gets the revenue share, right? Like, is it YouTube for making this giant platform? Do they deserve that much revenue share? Or is it the talent that's bringing all those people in eyeballs there, right? So I think that the non-fungible token system will really solve that. Again, though, it'll create a more decentralized ownership back to a creator. So I think that we'll see Mm -hmm. a lot of hurdles and it'll take a little bit to get there, but that's where I definitely see it. Like, especially with a creator that you really care about, like being able to like own that, um, that video would be really cool or being able to like stake that video and get like more rewards from that creator. Like Mm -hmm. that's where I kind of see it going. Another way when it comes to like me as a content creator and like the business side of things, I'm a part of um, Beehouse DAO. I don't know if you've ever heard of that DAO, but basically what they're doing is they are building, well, first they're they're renting a a mansion. So they're trying to do like a blockchain uh, creator house kind of situation that you've seen in the past, just with Web3 creators. And then the second part is they're trying to streamline the content creation, like business systems that we have, like on the blockchain. So like there's even like an implementation for that use case as well as like just the behind the scenes for a creator. Um, And so that's something that I am actually extremely bullish on right now, but it's very behind the scenes. It's more of like me being a contributor in that DAO um, and us like cross marketing and doing stuff together. Um, But yeah, I've thought about these things for sure. Like, cause they, they keep me up at night. Well, I'm, I'm sure Sean's going to, the next thing he's going to say or ask is about Beehouse. But um, before we jump into that, so there's obviously so many benefits then as a content creator to be in the Web3 platform. Um, so it sounds like you're probably going to make the switch eventually, especially when it mm-hmm. becomes easier. Do you think you're ever going to leave the, like the Web2 platforms as a content creator? Um, mm-hmm. Or are you going to always do both, you think? I would love to be in Web3 today, but that's just my personal interest. Looking at, unfortunately, as a content creator, it's it's got pros and cons, I wouldn't say unfortunately, but you're still a business. So I do what the market wants, right? So the market wants right now a Web2 platform. When the market fully wants a Web3 platform, of course, I'll be there as well. Um, If they want this hybrid situation, I'll do that too. So it's kind of like I'm a a slave almost to like where the eyeballs are and where they are receptive to me. So it's like that. And so instead of being, cause like kind of that, that statement that I say, it makes me feel like I'm a part of like just the, the trend. So that's why like me getting into things like the bee house down and stuff like that, I feel like I'm much more like proactive and actually like building this stuff. So even if like worse comes to worse and nothing comes out of it, at least like we made some progress to get a different company or a different project there. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that question for sure. Yeah, we we've talked we've had two episodes now, I think, Thomas, on like decentralized social media um, protocols and platforms. And if you haven't mm-hmm. looked into yeah. Lens Protocol, Lens Protocol is awesome. Um, and yeah. DSO, we interviewed the, the head of marketing at DSO um, and they're just doing some really cool things. Um, so if you haven't uh, been on there yet, it's basically a blockchain built for social media. And then who like developers can build apps on top of their um, their blockchain wow. and you, they can make whatever they want. So like everything's on chain, you know, you can own, you own your content and the app that they built, like the first implementation is called diamond, I think. And like, you can even like, like a post and even like pay someone in diamonds. So you can even start earning right now, which is really cool. Um, so the, I think we're still pretty far away from, uh, from people actually like jumping on there and like really being content creators, but it'll happen eventually. Yeah, exactly. It's like not to get too like Gary Vee about it, but it's like whatever, <laughs> whatever like wins. Like I think it's just going to be a space race with like Lens or um, I also saw a different one where it's like you can turn your selfie into an NFT and that was like the first kind of like, and I, I'm, I don't want to butcher the protocol. I forget which one it was. 
but you know, like we're seeing that. So it's like, whatever one, like gets adopted by the masses, like I'm going to, I'm going to go to for sure. Yep. Yeah. And I thought that was a cool thing that, um, that Ash said about Deso is he said, we're just building the, you know, the, the base layer here and we're just waiting for the, the developer to come build the app that attracts mm-hmm. a billion users. They said, that's our goals. We just want someone to come build this on our platform. So that's kind of their mindset too, is they're just waiting for, for someone to do it. <laughs> That's so interesting. So, okay. So I want to take a, a step back. You, you mentioned a lot in there. Um, <laughs> for Web3 in general, so I think, like you said, there's kind of this, we're in this spot right now where people on TikTok, you know, don't necessarily know what Web3 is or care because people like us aren't taking the time to actually explain how it affects yeah. the world and real world use cases. So that's literally our mission here is to just make this feel as real as possible so you can start to see that web3 future how would you explain web3 to the web3 curious out there Mm, it's hard because there's like so many like branches off of like a product of web3 um but basically i normally do the comparison where i talk about like comparing it to some type of like group chat because people understand that a little bit more so or i'll compare it to like a governance um, within that group chat, right? So it's like if if seven out of the 10 people say yes, then that one thing moves, um, stuff like that. Um, I'll draw it out sometimes so that I kind of lose people with that. But I'm trying to think of like, if there's like one tagline that you could say that really, um, that really adds value to people. My only issue with like trying to boil it down to one sentence is like, then we get into like the buzzword stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've had like, like my stepdad's a boomer and like, he just, or he's like a, I think he's right under, he's like <laughs> a Gen Y. And he like, will kind of get into like, you're just saying words, you're just saying buzzwords. Like I'll start talking about like ownership and like you get to like control that. And then there's specific use cases that you can then apply that thing that you own or it, what's considered an asset to um, stuff like that. And it'll kind of get lost so I think it's like that it's like kind of what you said like the knowledge transfer is not clean right now unfortunately and the onboarding process is then affected which Mm -hmm. we can't get the people there it's not going to work yeah um, I totally agree the once you say nfts or anything their eyes just glaze over and it is my mission to figure out how to explain this better (laughs) I had a I had someone uh this year compare an nft to a beanie baby in my comments they were like these are just expensive beanie babies and i was yeah, like pretty you know, much, you're kind yeah. of onto something i know you're a hater but <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> we might run with that um cool so you said you mentioned bee house dow could you mm-hmm. so on that same vein how would you explain a dow to someone who's never heard of a dow yeah yeah so that's kind of like what i was getting at earlier so it's much more of like a tokenized group chat it's something to where like you buy a concert ticket to then get into and then there's some there's usually like an event or systems or things happening that you want to be a part of um so that's like normally how i'll I'll describe a a dow um if someone that's a little bit more seasoned in web3 like i'll talk about it more as like an operating agreement um thinking you know thinking forward about what a DAO could be. Like I see giant companies working as DAOs. Um, I see, I do a lot of like future of work content um, as well, just like really crazy concepts and stuff. And I see um, the way that we work kind of off of a DAO and like requesting bounties and kind of moving into more of like a high quality freelance model. Um, So that's where I see DAOs. For sure. Yeah. I was just listening to this podcast episode about um, bankless DAOs consultancy that they just, um, that they've launched. So it's a full consulting company launched within Bankless DAO. And um, it's honestly a really cool model. And it's kind of the first time this business model has ever existed. And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how they grow. But it, they have like 15 or so clients already like active right now as a the first Web3 native agency, which I think is really cool. So they mean bankless as in they don't have a treasury or like bankless as in like they don't have like tokens. The it is the name that's just the name of the DAO, Bankless DAO. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a treasury. There must be. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just do it all for free. <laughs> Everything's free. <laughs> a dream. Yeah. So um explain can we use B House DAO as a way to maybe explain DAOs further? What is B House DAO and why did you want to be a part of it? Yeah. Um 
I just believed in the founders as like the huge part of it. Um, and we met at a, a venture capital web slash web three festival in Vancouver this summer. Um, and yeah, we just really hit it off. And there's a lot of stuff that we both kind of play off of each other. Like they give me a lot more like web three consulting, I would say. And then I can do more of like the user feedback and like what content creation is a, as a whole and really give that to them. So there's like huge win-win. Um, looking at like how Beehouse operates today, there's four different ways that you can join as a community member. The first one is if you're an investor, um, we're definitely not going to say no to money um, or other resources, right? It doesn't have to look like money. Like we have, like there's some millionaires that are just like, do you want my house? Like, do you want to rent? You know, so like there's other ways that we can get resources. Um, another way is just through like partnerships, right? So any type of like partners that we have um, that want to work with us. And then um, being a content creator obviously is like the number one. Um, and then there's kind of like a lot of like agency types that will run off of that. So like kind of like talent management and stuff like that. So um, definitely really cool. And then kind of like what I was talking about earlier, what it'll really do is like streamline even down to like video editing and stuff like that. And like, that'll be on the blockchain. Um, and so a really a way to like track what we're doing in a, um, how would I describe this in like a recorded way, if that makes sense and really like be able to streamline the process. Cause I, something that I noticed with content creation as a whole is like a lot of us are just kind of winging it. Um, and this really like breaks down like how you should be streamlining and then there's also like opportunities for collaboration as well, which I think is super awesome, especially with like the creator house situation, right? Where, um, you know, if there's like 10 of us that are kind of in the same niche that can really like make videos together and build off of each other, that's super important. Another issue in the content creation space is the lack of transparency when it comes to like my biggest in uh, income generating part of content creation is obviously working with brands um, that looks differently, right? Like I could post on behalf of my account, they could just own the video rights to my video and they're going to do whatever they want with it. And that's like a whole, like why NFT should be involved in that aspect too. Um, but like really like breaking down like that transparency, like within a house together would be, um, is something that we also see as like a really big vision to really like support content creators. What's like, what's the main goal behind a DAO? Is it for everyone collectively to like make more money or is this more like a feel good community? Cause it feels right for us to do it. Um, I guess like what's the, yeah, what's driving it? Yeah, kind of both, but I would say definitely income generating when it comes to like more partnerships and collaborations for me, right? Like I'm always going to say yes to that. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really like how we pull in content creation content and content creators as a whole. Um, when it comes to like the like house and that's kind of like the fidgetal like aspect of the DAO, um, that's more of like the community, right? So like just the community aspect of things and like really being connected with people who are like-minded because I'm sure you've noticed this in like when you get really obsessed about a topic that's like somewhat blockchain related, you go outside and like no one cares and you're just kind of like that weird person that's like, have you heard of this new protocol? And everyone's like, no, <laughs> we're at a party, man. <laughs> uh, did you say fidgetal? Fidgetal. Physical, physical. Digital. Physical digital. Get wow. with the times, I, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, this is okay. I learned something. I've only today. heard it in B House, so maybe I could just be like a B House. Uh, <laughs> but you never know if it's just like everyone in Web three knows a word, so you gotta, you know, you gotta say it with confidence. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like I, uh, yeah. There's no autocorrect and yeah, real <laughs> words. Um, so what about? So what's your favorite part about uh, B House DAO, or even just DAOs in general? What's your favorite part, and then what's the part that you really don't like? The parts that I love is like the opportunities that come in collaboration, like to say collaboration again is kind of like corny, but like really to think outside of like what true collaboration looks like, like, especially when I'm building like my, like my DAO right now, like being a part of other DAOs where like they may have like a grant system or like they're giving grants out to other DAOs, like that's been crazy. And really all that's taken is me just like showing up in the right chat and asking the right person or being loud mm -hmm. enough on Twitter about something or asking like another person that's really popping on Twitter, like, do you know about like how I could solve this? Like one issue, do you know of a different DAO that's like doing, you know, this in, in the industry today? So it's a lot of just like networking at like a really, really large scale that I don't think um, people think about. I think that they just look at like DAOs and there's always like weird names for the tokens and you're like, wait, I got to go get more kitties. Like, I don't understand. And then I, you know, and like some of them are kind of silly. Kitties. Yeah. Digital <laughs> kitties. And then they're doing a Twitter spaces and like, I don't want to talk to that, you know? So like, there's like weird stuff that happens, but I would say like 
with the arise of, of DAOs, obviously there's a there's gonna be a lot of like garbage DAOs, but there'll be some really great ones that are really like build up. Um, so I would say like try to try them all and be okay with like leaving one that you don't love early too. It's just kind of like when you're like hiring new people for a startup, like just hire early and fire often and like just move. So that's how I really like got into DAOs, I would say. My part that I hate is I hate Discord. Discord like, is the worst. Hey, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad you guys feel the same way. Um, it doesn't. It's not conducive to like high performing people, people that are in a lot of groups already. It's not like I don't have my Discord notifications on. I don't know if you guys do, but like every time I look at it, it's like a thousand new notifications a day. Like yeah, I'm never going to turn that on. Yeah. So it's just not conducive. I would say a startup that I talked to recently um, is Console. Have you guys heard of them? Mm-mm. They are amazing. I think it's console.xyz. I apologize if I had their said their domain wrong. Um, but they are basically like Discord's um, competitor. And so what they do is it's really like, it's really cool. It's just beyond, it's beyond like chatting functions like Discord as well. They also like have the treasury in there. Um, they have like all the members too. They have like a, a lot of cool features. Nice. With- yeah, I just looked it up. You, you got the URL, right? Console okay, cool. spelled normally.xyz. Yeah. So that's, I would say like the onboarding process when it comes to like DAOs and the discord communication, I just think that there's something that needs to be fixed in that. Um, because I, I, as a DAO member, I don't understand what to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel like DAOs overcomplicate things sometimes and it would have been easier to do without a DAO or like, let me rephrase. Can you do DAO things without actually having a DAO? Like, is yeah. DAO just because we're doing this in Web3, we want to stay within it? Like, we're doing it, but otherwise, like, what? And I guess, what benefit do DAOs give that you can't do, like, in the normal Web2, like, old school, pre Discord kind of MetaMask world? Yeah, that's a really good way to, that's a really good question. I, I think um, there's a lot to say about it. It's like, I, I see some DAOs and they're like reaching for a way to be decentralized or they're like over decentralized where it's like, why are you using like all of these tools? Like your tech stack is crazy now when you could have just done, I don't know, a different type of polling system or you could have raised money in a different way. Um, and I, I think that it's hard for me to also criticize it too, because I don't want to create this like opportunity of like afraid to fail or afraid to adopt or afraid to innovate too. Like, I think that um, it's cool that like they jump for it and they use like snapshot and this and that, like it works out and it's cool. Um, and I understand too, that like not everyone has like giant funds to like build out their own platform and stuff like that. So like, that is also why I think we see like a lot of just like, I don't know what to call it. It's like the loudness of just tools that happens and it just gets a little crazy. And I would say to some DAOs, like, I just don't understand like why they, yeah, like some DAOs are kind of hard when you're like part of a member or you're like trying to think about being a member and you're like understanding what they do. It's just like, why are you like, why does it need to be a community and stuff like that? So I think more like problem defining um, is important. I think a really great mission and like keeping that as like shooting to the moon together to that mission is awesome. But I think uh, having a problem definition or more like solutions focused approach to a DAO is also important. So like when it comes to like my DAO, a lot of it will not be on the blockchain. And I'm really trying to make sure that it's not on the Discord either. So we're really treating the DAO more as like we're, we're going to have a governance structure to it. And the, ta- the token utility is really only going to be for voting because what I'm doing is I'm basically creating investment opportunities. And as we know, like I can't can't grab money that way. So there's going to be like some really strict ways. So really what we'll have is like a voting mechanism together. Um, and that's really it. Like I don't really want to add more stuff into the kitchen and make it super complicated yeah so a common like just i guess analogy for DAOs is a group chat with a shared bank account that you can yeah. vote on I love that. what to do with the money right that's kind of like at its simplest form um and so you're building this DAO called unicorn girlies correct yes explain to us a little bit about what that is and what your mission is there yeah, so I'm making venture capital and well, like private equity as a whole, very accessible, very, when it comes, to, I say the word sexy, but it's not, it's more about like just creating more like a uh, women um, kind of like representation as a whole in that. 
And um, the part that will be decentralized, obviously, is like more of like the voting, obviously. And so what I'm doing is I'm figuring out a way to legally um, invest in private equity opportunities off chain while using an on-chain voting mechanism while the community members are not accredited. So I'm solving the issue of like, why does like only this one weird specific population of people get put on cap tables? Why are those people the ones that really grow their income and stuff like that? So really breaking down the accessibility of those opportunities. And if I'm understanding correctly, that that specific group of people is accredited investors, correct? Where you have to like meet all these requirements to actually invest in these things that are just, there's no reason for these things to exist other than to just like not include people. And like some people who are technically accredited are 18 and their parents just paid them out 200K and then they happen to be worth a million. And then it's just, it gets super crazy. So I think that there's like this really big game that's, um, that's played sometimes to hit that accreditation like status. And so mm-hmm. I'd much rather um, play the game in a more accessible way as well. So there's definitely ways to get around it. I'm not um, taking people's money. It's called a regulation CF round, <laughs> round of funding. Um, I started doing it two years ago. I became an angel investor, which was like crazy lucky. Um, I don't know how I like jumped up onto this opportunity. And then I was like talking about it with people and they like could not believe it for me. They were like, no, like, no way you know and I was like no it's like public on the Nasdaq now I invest in this like six months ago so um I'm trying to create wow. more opportunities like that for people okay, yeah that was my next question is this seems out of left field how did, like why PE um, acquisitions yeah but I guess uh that makes sense that you you get into a deal early yes yeah exactly um it, it's called trust stamp it's a it's a blockchain company actually and they um they are creating most of their use cases are like in the real estate um, industry or any type of like financial identification process where like, you know, when you're buying a house and you go to like get pre-approved by like 19 different lenders and you're like, why can't this one just call the other one? And like, why do I have to keep doing it? It like solves stuff like that. So basically it creates like a keychain, like a financial keychain for yourself so that you can then perform like uh, financial verification processes. And so I saw that two years ago, I like started to get interested in buying a house around that time and started to realize like as a consumer, how much that, was just a pain in the butt. So I was like, there's something there. And I dropped like a very minimum amount of money, probably like $5,000. And then like six months later, it was like on the NASDAQ. And I was like, that's interesting. Whoa. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I was such like, such a cool feeling. Yeah. Right. And then I was at Caesar's palace, um, talking to some, like my boyfriend's friend about it and he's much older than us. And he was like, that's insane. Like, I don't think you understand like how lucky you were. And I like, as I was noticing how I was throwing money around, like after that, like, I definitely needed to hear that because it was like, okay, you don't need to like invest in every like very seed round funding, you know? And like, I just felt, I just thought like they all did that. So um, there's definitely been some reality checks for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So private equity is super fun. It's also, um, so I, I also do work in the private equity space um, as well. There's always a lot going on. So I work with um, a different startup working with, they basically do a similar concept where you buy cash flowing businesses together as a non-accredited status. Um, so it's something that's kind of like all working together and I get a lot of like advisory from them. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a good next year. I hope to go live uh, the beginning of this year. I'm going to do like a beta um, test and I'm going to try to keep it on Telegram. Uh, and then from there, if we have to go to something else, we'll do it. <laughs> Get on a console. Right. I know. <laughs> I just signed up for their wait list. So <laughs> they're good people to talk to. We um we decided not to move forward just because my community is not big enough for their minimum size, but they are like definitely um a really cool mm-hmm. platform. Yeah, so okay, so you're building this DAO right now. Um what what goes into building a DAO? So typically you need a treasury, you need some money in there. Yeah. Where does that money come from? And how do you find people to join the DAO? Yeah. So um, the treasury can come in a lot of different ways. So you can either be granted from a different um, DAO, which um, that is one way to do it. That's a really big way to do it. Another way, obviously, is through the sale of a token. So um, having having the governance token basically is like that thing that you need to enter the community. Um, and then there's also like perks off of that if people continue to hold on to the token instead of just kind of like buy and leave. 
Um, you could like stake, which is similar to like a high yield savings account. Um, there's also just like random donations and like acts of kindness that can happen as well. Another way is NFT launches, which we've seen. So kind of doing like a, a beta launch or like a soft launch where it's like, hey, this NFT will eventually like grant you access to a community plus a lot of other perks for owning it. Um, that's another way that we've seen it. Um, and then creating a community is so different for me than creating a TikTok community. So like I thought... <laughs> I thought like you showed up in Web3, like you show up as a TikTok content creator and like how you show up as a con- like a TikTok content creator is very annoying in the Web3 community. So like if I were to come in and just be like, this is me, this is why you should follow me. This is why I'm like so, so cool. That doesn't really work. It's more about creating that community, being more relatable in a different way and like cross-marketing with like other people similar in that space. Um, the web two life, I would say is very like competitive still. So it's very much like, it's kind of like when I ask another content creator that's in my niche to like collab with me, they kind of are taken off guard. Like that's crazy. Or like some, some will be really positive about it and some kind of like won't say anything. Cause of course, like they don't want to cross market for whatever reason in web three world. Like that is like kind of how it works. So, um, that was like a huge switch for me where I was like, why don't I just like post a tweet and it, it doesn't go viral like that's so weird you know so it's been new <laughs> that's funny so it sounds like web 2 is very me oriented and yeah. web 3 is very like we, we oriented yeah, yeah that's, that's a really that's good cool. way to put it um so you're setting up the style um unless you're getting a lot of like uh random generous you know donations and, and stuff like that like uh, how does the dow make money and then what's in it for you creating this DAO? How are you going to make money from creating the DAO too? That's a really good question that I unfortunately don't have fleshed out because there's specific operating agreement stuff that needs to happen. So um, since like we're very close to Wyoming, like there's a whole like DAO LLC that we can use now. So there's specific ways that like I take money. There's specific ways that it needs to make money and only that way. Um, so unfortunately right now it's not something that I can like fully, fully get into. Do you, I forgot that Wyoming has a Dow LLC. Mm-hmm. Do you know much about that? Like the specifics of it? Could you talk to us about that? Yeah. So it is, it's basically like, it's not like a sole proprietary. Like you have to think of it basically more as like an, an S corp, but it's, it's like considered an LLC. It's very interesting. So like there needs to be an operating agreement. So there obviously has to be like different parts um that kind of govern it so it's really like dow friendly obviously because a lot you know there's a different um there's kind of like a bureaucratic system that'll still have to like work just for order um and peace of mind in the dow itself um and it's all like what i've learned is like it's all in the operating agreement like that's the way that you really save yourself with this stuff so i thought it was all in like the smart contract like i thought that i would have to build something really specific and really um imperative and while that's true but a lot of the advice advisory stuff that i've been getting on right now is like it's on the operating agreement because the sec the second you start talking about investments and being an investment club Mm. they'll come in the second you start talking about crypto like they'll come in so like everything has to be like incredibly spelled out so there's still stuff the reason that i'm like not saying too much is because there's stuff that i want to happen that i don't know can happen yet if that makes sense so having like a lawyer yeah especially is good (laughs) yeah like you you're trying to get a group of women together to invest in companies and the sec will be very interested very interested um (laughs) one that's like killing it right now is joan dow um i'm putting it out there in the universe because i want to get connected to them they seem really tight-knit um and so if you read their wife joan joan j-o-a-n i really want to get connected with these ladies they're doing something similar. What do they do? So what they're doing though is similar to my concept, but they're buying on-chain investments. So that's really popular, right? Like the syndicate DAO situation. Syndicate DAO is like literally a mm. platform and then it's a spinoff of like a syndicate fund. Um, so they literally like pool money together to buy bigger, higher ticket assets on-chain, right? So like a board ape, um, I doubt that, that that's what they're buying, but just for the sake of um, uh, the popular Simplicity, stuff. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be in that, but... Um, yeah, so just, it's really, really interesting. And I'd say, I'd say that their white paper does a really good job of, um, being concise and being pretty accessible with their language. Um, but yeah, again, like that, that weird part that makes this different is that they're on chain. I'm trying to do more of off chain stuff. 
Um, so that's going to be the crazy part for sure. Yeah. Cool. We'll, uh, we'll reach out and get them on the show and then we'll connect to you. <laughs> you. Their, their website is hilarious. They have uh, a section here that says collective holdings, 1250 ETH yachts we can buy. <laughs> <laughs> I only Pretty think good. in yachts. <laughs> I only think in yachts. <laughs> um, so within Unicorn Girlies, what will the governance part be? What are the th- in your mind? I know this isn't like built mm-hmm. yet, but what do you what do you think you'll um, be able to vote on as a member? Yeah, so Unicorn Girlies will provide a space for other entrepreneurs to start pitching and understanding how funding works and understanding um, kind of like what makes a good pitch and what makes a bad pitch. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people in this world that like don't even understand that stuff just because of like where they were born, what they look like, whatever. And so I'm trying to make that stuff more accessible. So there will be voting on more of like that, like pitch fest kind of stuff. So that'll be like one aspect to it. Another aspect will just be like the, DAO operations as a whole, right? Like down to like, do we Snapchat or do we not do, you know, like just all that stuff too. Like that'll obviously be on there too. Um, So that's like the two ways. And then there obviously will be more of financial advisors and people who are kind of well-versed in the private equity space that will come on and make sure that we're making safe investments and stuff like that. And so there'll be more of a voting system within them of um, kind of vetting businesses and doing like due diligence. So it'll be interesting. Nice. And you said you're hoping to launch beginning of next year? Yeah. So op- launch as in open to a community. And I'm t- I'll take about 100. Right now I'm at like 14 right now that are super interested. So we'll go up to about 100 and we'll do more of um, – it'll be like pretty much from the ground zero on a lot of stuff. Obviously like the main meats and potatoes will be like built out, like white paper will be finalized and stuff like that just so that we have like a clear – end vision to get to, but there, there's going to be a lot of like ground floor, like support that I do want a lot of people to be involved in if they choose. Mm-hmm. And is this group just for women? No. For open to everybody. Cool. Yeah. Do, um, I know there's a, there's a lot of like, just like Joan Dow and I think, isn't the other one unicorn Dow? Isn't that a women's focus Dow? I think. Unicorn? Did you say like, boys club too or is that another thing yeah boys club yeah so there's a lot of these a lot of like women focused web3 communities which is really cool do you think that web3's promise of inclusion and equality do you think that it's possible that web3 will actually succeed at this and do you think we're on the right trajectory for including women in web3 and including marginalized communities i think um inclusivity is not unfortunately correlated to the platform. So we could say web two, we could say web three. I think web three has a great um, vision for it and definitely like the the potential to be inclusive and all those things, but we're humans at the end of the day. So it's, I think it's really up to like human error um, and kind of making sure that we're all coming from like a good place. Um, I'm more interested in that, right? So like, I don't really care if you like recognize me as a woman or not, like that's fine. I just care that like you're someone emotionally intelligent in a conversation when we're collaborating and stuff like that, if that makes sense. I think that I also see another side of like, well, I'm X, I'm whatever, insert the um, minority traits. So I deserve this. And so like, there's kind of like that level of stuff that happens as well. And I think that um, that can be just as toxic, but that kind of eventually like weeds itself out. I've seen like a few like big upsets on Twitter recently. So that's something that I try to be really, courteous of when I am building stuff right so like granted like yes is this for like the young woman that doesn't understand this stuff because of x y and z things that happened in their life they just weren't at the right time the right you know at the right table yes am I gonna say like no because like you're a man but you want to develop this thing like no I've seen that in DAOs um and so Mm -hmm. like that's the part where it just starts to get a little weird um so I just feel like if we're all emotionally intelligent we're all like rising each other to like our best potential great I think that's awesome I think web3 definitely has that um capacity to it and uh there was another thing that I was going to say I think also some communities do like a lot of virtue signaling that can get kind of like rough um what I do see as a trend in like the female friendly like web3 conversations is like a lot of like um the marketing and the uh, and the copywriting is very much like 
girl boss, boss babe, like millennial, like talk. And it's just like, you don't have to talk to me like I'm a baby. Yeah. Like we can still have like intelligent <laughs> conversations. So it's kind of like that. It's I would say is like one of my gripes right now about like inclusivity when it comes to like gender based stuff. I can't speak to a lot of like racial stuff because obviously I'm, I'm white presenting that I've never faced a lot of that in the tech industry. But um, yeah, just with the gender stuff, I can definitely speak to that. And that's been my experience so far. I like the yeah. concept or just saying like emotionally intelligent. Like, we're, I, and I think if I were to like make a prediction, I'd say like web three, web two is trying, but I think web three was, was we're coming in to it with our eyes wide open. And I, I think we're at least emotionally aware. Yeah. Uh, and maybe eventually that'll morph into emotionally intelligent, um, given that we're on that trajectory. And hopefully our human tendencies don't <laughs> bring us to like where we were before. Oh, yeah. No, I'm totally optimistic as well. I really enjoy how you brought that up, too, because that's kind of what I was. That's a better way to explain how I was saying like Web3 has like the potential to like solve a lot of those social issues. Um, but yeah, again, it's just it's just based off the human. But I think. Yeah, I think that there's a lot, especially with like blockchain being such a community based platform, it's it's showing us a lot of like what isn't working, right? Especially going through this like web two phase. It's like, okay, we know that stuff didn't work. And then it's like when you have such a you're elevating a lot of voices in a community, it's like then you get mm-hmm. to see like what isn't working very quickly in that community. So yeah. um I definitely yeah, I I believe in people I'm, I try to be as positive as possible. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because even communities or, or DAOs are like, it's so easy to create um, echo chambers. Yes. Uh, it's it's so easy to almost, almost like, yeah, that can also create radicalization of even like good intentions that kind of get out of hand. And it's, it's so funny how um, if things are like closed off, they could even, they can bring things more to open, but more yeah. open can also bring closed off. Um, but there's so many different technologies or different methods of, and we've Sean talked about some of those like projects like disco and so forth, or like the idea of like zero knowledge where anonymity, if that's the word, um, can bring so much positive because it can also bring so much nimity. And right. I don't know if, yeah, <laughs> if that's the right way of saying it too. I, I gave up on saying that word. I, I can't say anonymity. I think I did it though. <laughs> I just think you keep on thinking about Nemo. Uh, that's the, the right. one thing that keeps on popping to my head. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, no, anatomy. No. Right. No, I think that that's, that's definitely, I totally forgot my train of thought. Oh, the, the echo chamber stuff that you were talking about is huge a part of my life because I actually was just thinking about that this morning and it's crazy that you brought it up. I do like an echo chamber check-in with myself, if that makes sense. <laughs> so like when you have a TikTok that's got a few hundred thousand views and everyone's like, good job. Like it's weird, right? Like that's not really like how we were made, but then of course, so it's like trying to be like unattached from that stuff as a content creator. So there's like a lot of people that are like, good job. Like not being like, Oh, that's why I'm doing a good job. It's just because of that one thing, like trying to find that within myself. Um, it's so hard though, because like even me just starting to create content, I get like a thousand views in a video and I'm like, we did it. This is the content we need to make for everybody because that's what they're telling me I need to make. Yeah. And it's like followers and that engagement and stuff like that is considered our success metric. So, Mm -hmm. and it's very public, so it can get, um, it can get really crazy. Like there's certain moments where like, I will have to just stop making TikToks because it's like mental health moment. Like we're not doing it right now. Or there are certain days where it's like, hey, you're really attached to this. And like, a, it's still positive. Like, I'm excited about it. But like, why don't we go find something else or more positive to get into mm-hmm. stuff like that? So it's kind of creating that balance. And I think like, that's something that I try to bring mind, like, I try to be mindful about when I am building a Web3 community as well, because I, I do, I've played like at a pretty big scale in that now, where it's like, I have been canceled, I have been like, you know, blown up of like, you're doing awesome, like, there's been stuff like that already. So where like, I try to be really mindful of that, even like, I mean, I'm not talking that my community in, in that DAO is that big yet. But it's, I'm just still trying to think about that of like, when am I making it about me and I'm in the echo chamber versus like, when am I thinking about the DAO itself? And treating the business like the business and the doubt that it should be instead of just being like everyone gets to follow Gabrielle's ideas. I like the idea of an echo chamber check just because to your point, if you get a thousand likes or a thousand like positive comments, how do you know if you are just feeding into what people want and that direction that they're feeding into is the right one? 
versus not. Um, cause it could, yeah. Cause it's just, I mean, Thomas, if you look at our content and we are like, okay, what's worked, let's do more of that. It's literally the post that we talked about Elon Musk and the other post where he talked about people who got kicked off of Twitter. Yeah. Right. Like it's no, nothing to do with Web three. Nah. <laughs> and it, and is that a direction that we want to go? Like, is that and no. and it's but it's it's <laughs> such an ethical dilemma too, or maybe not an ethical. Well, it's an ethical economic dilemma because right. it's do you do what you think is right, or do do you do where you get the attention that helps you do the business thing, which is probably what you deal with a lot with um, with everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the eyeballs are the currency. So it, it is really hard. It's like you're kind of creating yep. this balance of like, when am I true to myself? And just I create the community around me when I show up as interested in that one thing, or do I follow the trend? Um, like some way that I saw that happen this summer is like, I did a lot of content on on the concept of like overemployed. So like, that's been really talked about. Also like quiet quitting. I think I was like, if you look up quiet quitting on TikTok right now, I don't know where I rank right now, but I was mentioned, it was one of the ones mentioned in like New York Times and stuff like that. So oh, that's cool. It's that's been, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I became like, what I'm getting at is that like, I didn't actually care about these topics. I just saw that when I started t- saying these words, obviously I got like a lot of views. And I mean, like, I don't care about these topics as in like, they're not like a part of my niche. There weren't something that I was like trying to like blow up to this capacity. And so like, then, you know, people in my life, i.e. my boss, my therapist, uh, my parents saw like articles like on their phone the next day of like, basically like I started doing a, a post about like someone losing their job to a mouse jiggler. And um, it was just more like overemployed stuff that people do to try to like make sure that their works, their work systems are like awake so that they can work at their other job. And it's a picture of my face, like the screenshot of the video. And it just says like remote worker loses job to a mouse jiggler. So like headline reading, it looks like, you know what I mean? It's got to be great. So it got crazy. Like, you know, so like there's just certain stuff where it's like, I followed the trend, I followed the trend. And then I'm like at this point now where it's like, I don't know, you know, like you kind of lose yourself. So that's still stuff that I'm like learning in the content creation world. Hmm. Interesting. I wanted to touch on kind of the differences between working in web two and working in web three, since you're kind of straddling both. Is there anything like glaring that, that sticks out to you? That's like a huge difference, like what good or bad on the technical side, I see more, um, and web two starting to get there where like, you can be like just a front end or like just a react developer, but I'm seeing, um, more specialized technical skills and web three, right? So like you could get a job right now if you only know Solidity, which is like crazy and like really unheard of. If you think about like computer science as a whole, you, you had to be a full stack, you had to like learn it all. Um, so just seeing like the job skills in itself is very different. Um, another aspect to like the pros and cons are like con- contrasting them a little bit is like web three is still, I would say like a little bit of a risk. Um, so having a web two job where like, you know, it's a pretty easy job and then I can do these other things outside that works for me today. Uh, it really just depends on, so anyone that's like listening, it really just depends on like your um, risk level as a whole, right? It's kind of the idea of like, do I work for a public company or do I work for a startup? It's like a similar approach. Um, another aspect that I'm seeing is like the networking is extremely easy in Web3. So like you can just walk up to someone at like a Web3 conference talk about, you know, what you do at your web two job and like immediately, like they want resume in hand, like they're just looking for people right now. So it's definitely a great way to like get into this stuff. I would say also like if you are trying to get into the web three space, what I've seen work really well is adding your portfolio on a Twitter thread that you like self-create, but creating value within that Twitter thread. So it's a lot of like how I learned, um, you know, blockchain programming under, you know, X amount of days, X amount of months. And then like through each step, they'll say like HTML and CSS, and then they'll like embed their portfolio, obviously of that stuff. So I think like creating a lot of value and being really loud in Web3 is really, um, really encouraged, which is different. Um, But really, I mean, the differences of like why I'm in Web3 right now versus uh, like why I'm in Web2 versus Web3 is really just that like risk aspect to it. Um, and like, it's definitely, it's definitely the goal. Like, so it'll, it'll happen eventually. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether your company jumps into Web3 or whether you jump into right. Web3, it'll happen. <laughs> I think a lot, and that's such a good way that you said that too, because I have a lot of friends that work for like Amazon and Microsoft and like their CEOs are already looking, you know, so it's kind of like whether I work want to work in it or not right now, like I probably will in the next like five years. For sure. I've seen a few pieces of your content about salary transparency in Web2 versus Web3, and I thought that was really interesting. Can you kind of tell us about what you've seen in Web3 uh, I think it, it might have just been that very specific post um, where there is a very transparent company in Web3. And I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it kind of goes back to our like previous conversation, especially when when Thomas was talking where it's like we're we're showing like we're getting to see what did and didn't work in Web2. So I think that that's like a really good um, real life example of that. So like we know that it's pretty clear today, especially with like a lot of where legislation is moving and making companies post their their salaries now a lot of people don't actually like want to slave out a company and like go through 10 rounds of interviews to like maybe make, you know, 40, 50 K a year. Like it just doesn't work like that anymore. And so I think with web three being so progressive and kind of leading this new mission somewhere, um, they're really adjusting to that. Right. So it's like, if they want good talent, they understand that like they really need to be that transparent. And so that transparent, meaning like the post that you were talking about, they broke down like, why there's a salary range and like kind of what's like the the x factor between like the low and the minimum which i thought was super amazing because kind of what we've seen like in colorado which i'm sure you've seen sean of like now we have to post the salary range but people will be like you know we'll pay you 40k to 100k and it's like that's not salary transparency either you're just saying numbers so like i thought that that was really cool how they like really broke that down of like this is the low and like this is the max Another way that they broke it down to was um, like the equity packages and kind of like different scenarios that you could choose from. I've never seen that before in in a Web2 situation. Um, so lots of really, really exciting stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And that was all in the job posting, which, which yeah. was so cool to see that the, the equation for how they came up with the salary was right there for you to see before you even apply. Yes. That's cool. That's kind of, that's reassuring, Sean, because we did that a lot too with our yeah. like previous job yeah, postings, yeah. but we just did it because well, one of the main reasons we did it too is because we were just getting unrealistic, it, it, like the salary expectations and stuff. So we actually just put it there just to be transparent and to just, it, it really did help improve the the quality of candidates and the, the team that we have now is right. just bar none amazing. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's funny how like the things that seem to be common sense or, how you put it, emotionally intelligent is like making its way through all this stuff too. So, yeah, it's beautiful. And I think um, I've seen a lot of like old timer hiring managers where like they kind of justify that lack of transparency of like, well, if they were super interested, they would just go through it anyways. And they do that with like cover letters too. It's like, well, if they really want to work at this job, they'll do the cover letter. And it's like, I think that um, us as a collective is like very tired of jumping through hoops like that. And it's becoming very, very transparent with like the idea of like overemployed where people are like working multiple jobs or quiet quitting or, you know, all the topics that I was talking about this summer. Um, we're seeing that. So it's kind of like these Web3 companies, if they want to sink or swim, they, they definitely need to adapt a lot more. Mm-hmm. If you could kind of look forward five years um, at your life, what do you think it will look like in terms of unicorn girlies and content creation and um, everything else you're working on? Yeah, um, my content creation will absolutely, I'm thinking in the, like in the next five years, I see it as totally on chain. Um, that's definitely something that, you know, like I said, like cool. the next time, like the first platform that figures it out, I'm definitely going to be there. Um I want to like own my content. I want to own like the revenue share. I want my community to take a part of that. Um, those are the things that content creators have been screwing about for a long time, like way before me. So um, that's something where I see like my content creation stuff when it comes to like where I'm at in the next five years. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully unicorn girlies, hopefully just, you know, rocking in the private equity space, whatever that looks like. Um, it's very challenging sometimes to also answer that like one with it being my age and two like, I'll just get a DM, like a crazy opportunity sometimes. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to chase that for the next six months, you know? So I'm very like, I used to be very type A and like plan out my whole life. And then like anxiety and burnout happened like so young for me that I was just like, I'm like, I'm letting go of control a little bit. So that's definitely like conceptually, like where I see 
um, a ton of my time spent in the next five years. Um, it'll be interesting too to see like where DAOs go because um, they were kind of like a thing for a second and then they were like canceled and then like now they're being, they're like a cool thing again. So I want to see like kind of like legislatively like where it goes because I think that's going to be a huge, huge um, decision factor for not only DAOs but also like any blockchain um, technology as a whole. Gabrielle, you said that um, that if, so, sorry, not if, but when Web three is where you're going to be posting content and, and stuff. What do you th- what do you think is going to happen to the TikToks and the Twitters and the YouTubes? Um, do you think they're just going to go away or just slowly die? Hmm. I don't think they'll go away. I think that they're going to be like the adopters. Right. So like, I mean, YouTube is owned by Google. So like we, I'm sure they're thinking about it today. I'm sure it's in their five-year roadmap, you know, like I'm sure they're, they're already thinking about it. So I, I think that they'll stay, but if we're talking about just the technology as a whole, I think it'll be something like, like how we think of like radio or um, I'm trying to think of like an other like old, old media, but I think it'll be something like that. Even like TV shows, like recording mm-hmm. a TV show when it was like on at that time. Like, I think it'll just be considered part of that in our like communications, like media history, um, mm-hmm. which will be very interesting. That's cool. TikTok will be the DVR right. in five years. I love it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of FM radio. I like love. I like if there's an option between Thomas, FM don't or like serious like XM. I would F- FM every single time. Like that was. Yeah. I once when I said that, I then I tried to find a different one because I was like, that was way too Gen Z of me. Like people still listen to radio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's honestly still. I still listen to. I'm from. Cleveland. I still listen to the Cleveland oh, baseball yeah. over the radio just because the announcer has been doing it for 30 years and he's the best. And it's so fun watch, listening to it rather than watching it. That makes it. sense. I think you, you date yourself a lot, a lot there, Sean. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I think that's like a couple <laughs> generations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a boomer. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not. Yeah, you're, you're definitely a boomer. Uh, All right. Well, Gabrielle, this is a lot of fun. Uh, appreciate being on the show. We'll have you on again. Um, We'll connect you with Joan Dow when we get them on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was super cool. Thanks for giving me a platform to just talk some stuff out. I really enjoyed the the questions that you had. They're very thoughtful um, and totally right up my alley. So I definitely appreciate that.